a while back, I've been talking about um, <clears throat> the relationship between the Jewish people, Israel, and the Umar Sa'ilam, the nations of the world. I had given uh, a couple of shurim on that, and I just want to, uh, in this year, continue. Because really, it's a really a very important concept. <clears throat> um, especially within the context of a divine plan. How do we understand that mankind basically consists of two different divisions? Division one is the Jewish people, I and mean, this is based on the Torah. Division one is the Jewish people. Uh, and we know what God says about the Jewish people, that they are his nation, and, and, um, uh, and God is, of course, very close to the Jews and so on. And we know also the second uh, division is the, the nations of the world. So really what you have is just two different types of humans in that sense. <clears throat> so the question, of course, I had dealt with is uh, how do we explain that? And that's what really I'm getting into. Also, what is the purpose, what is the end of the concept of the nations of the world, and, and so on. Um, as we will see, which is interesting, is that the concept of nations, individual nations, only exists in this world. In the future world, there will be no other nation but Israel. The concept of nations does not exist in the future world. In the future world, it is, like I said, only Israel. They will be the only nation in the future world. But there will be individuals of other nations in the future world. Uh, so we're not looking here at you know, Israel and, and Americans and all that. No, it doesn't exist. There is, however, Israel and a substantial amount of individuals that have come from the nations of the world when the nations existed in this world, you see. So there will be non-Jews uh, in Ilum Habo, no question about that. But there won't be the concept as an, of a national entity. You're not going to have Americans and Italians and Europeans and you know and uh, you know and Arabs and all that kind of stuff. You know, and all the other nations. But uh, like I said, you know, what's important to know is that non-Jews will have a chilek, a part in the future world, but not as a nation. There will be people that will be in in uh, in Habo, and they will derive <coughs> the entire experience of Ilum Habo from the Jews. You know what I'm saying? That's uh, basically a very important idea. The question, of course, is what does that mean, and how does that occur? <coughs> so let me go back to this idea. What the Rabbanu Shem did, and I'm going to really go back in, in terms of the, uh, uh, the beginning, and what the whole concept of mankind is, and then what the concept of the nations are, and how they became split between Jew and non-Jew, and what the purpose of each is, and ultimately how does it end. <clears throat> in a very brief manner, what the purpose is, is that the Rabbanu Shem created existence, we know that, which is an entire uh, universe, so to speak, which consists of many different layers. And the way he does that, which means that he emits uh, a ten forces, which in Kabbalah are called spheres, 
And these forces are such that they can create realities. And they create many realities. The amount of awe or force that they emit can create a reality. So they create many realities. The first one that they create is called Ilum Habo. They create that first. And then what they do is seemingly they diminish their output. And as a result of that, the realities that they create diminishes. So you go from the highest one, which is Oydim Habor, and Kabbalah it's called Primordial Man, or Odom Kadmon, and then it creates this world, and there are four different levels of this world. <coughs> and finally, they create the lowest level of this world, which is called Oydim the world of action, because this is really where all the action takes place, in a certain sense, anyway. <coughs> now, the, so the lowest world, so to speak, or reality, is because there's a tremendous diminishment of that ore. Uh, whether it be in reality, which it's not, but certainly uh, whatever takes place, there is a diminishment, and therefore the output of that is a different reality. It it's becomes a, what's called a physical world. Now, <clears throat> what the Marshall wants is somebody to do a series of actions that will reverse the diminishment of the spheres, the light, the ore, force. And what that means is this, is that what the Bansham does, okay, uh, 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 so therefore he creates what's called a, a human being to increase the output, thereby changing the physical world uh, back into Ilum Habo. <coughs> and that's really what he wants. He wants to retransform the physical world, which is created by the diminishment of the output, he wants to recreate Ilum Habo by increasing the output, and therefore what happens is this physical world will now change back into a higher world, which is spiritual, higher, higher, ultimately into what's called the future world, which is a, a complete, total spirituality, which really we cannot even imagine. <coughs> The one who does that, of course, is a human being. So what the Martian did is he created a human, or the Mauritian, the first man. And what he did, now, there are, um, I, as I mentioned, ten spheres. So Adam is really connected to all ten spheres. Adam Mauritian has a, a soul on his Shama, right, that emerges from these ten spheres. So in that sense, he's really connected to these ten spheres. Okay, but the, uh, the, 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 uh, uh, and as a result of that, his actions, whatever they be, whether it be in thought, in speech, in, in, in action, <coughs> that his actions in any of those three dimensions can either increase the output or block the output of these spheres. And that's why he's really connected to the totality of all these spheres <coughs> in order to be able to influence them, you see either by increasing their output or diminishing their output, based on his actions. So Odomarishan is connected to everything. He's the first man, and he has total control of all the output of these spheres. And he's the first human being created. And he's created in a world which is spiritual. <clears throat> Even though when the Torah talks about him eating and so on, it doesn't mean that he eats the way we eat, not at all. But what it does mean is that his actions are on a spiritual plane, you see. Uh, and that spiritual plane, we could say, is really Oilem Yetzirah. 
okay, which is the world above ours, which is called Olim Asiya. And therefore, here's an individual, basically, that's on a spiritual plane. Here is an individual that is on a spiritual plane and um, uh, he is connected to all the spheres and therefore his actions will affect everything. That's basically what he is. His task is to become more spiritual. He is spiritual. So his task is to become more ruchni, more spiritual. That's what his task is. You see. Uh, and therefore, he has to elevate himself in a spiritual way by doing that which God wants and that is not to eat from a tree uh, and that's he's commanded. And if he would have done that, then of course he would have elevated himself spiritually because he already is spiritual. In instead, he would have retransformed the world into a much greater spiritual entity, place, and that would be called Olam Habo. That's what he should have done. Now, I also mentioned something very important, and that is <coughs> that Odom Arishan, <coughs> it was not intended for Odom Arishan to be the only person alive, even had he not sinned, which is a very important concept. In other words, what Odom, what should have happened is that Odom Arishan would have had descendants, children, you see, even had he not sinned. In other words, what God wanted is that there should be a community. We don't know how large, but whatever the number is, it would have, it would have told the enormous amount of individuals. That would have been the descendants of Adam, you see. And therefore, now the interesting thing is that they would not have to work at all. Adam was the only one who had to have the task of remaining so, so uh, in a certain sense, well, he had free will, of course, to remain righteous. He would have retransformed creation to be Olam Habo, right? And we would have all been born in Olam Habo. Now, that would have been a great experience, wouldn't you know? Uh, in that sense, you know. <clears throat> so, like I said, God intended a community to be in Olam Habo, all descended from Adam. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I had mentioned that previously. The Ramchal does not explain how can, how can people enjoy Olam Habo without any effort because that would be a violation, apparently, uh, of Namadik Sufa, which means bread of shame. Which means that if you're not going to do the job, then why aren't you experienced? I had a whole sheet on that, what Namadik Sufa is, bread of shame. That if you don't work, you don't, if you don't expend effort, then you will, be, you will feel a certain sense of shame by getting something for nothing. I had a whole sheet on that. Check that out. Anyway, Can I ask a question? yeah. Adam Arishon had one desire that he had to overcome. Yes. Why do we have billions of desires to be mistaken that one is that desire? Well, hold off. I'll you know let me just I'll get to that. Anyway, Does, is it spiritual? He wasn't really eating. Can you help me? I don't know because I I I, I, mean, I need to move forward. Look, each of these ideas obviously can be developed and explained because there's a tremendous amount of details but I, I want to move in a certain direction you know so I'm really sorry you know that way anyway um, but anyway there would have been a community in Olam Habo which is really very interesting and so on you know now the way it would have happened is remember Odom was connected to all ten spheres 
And as a result of that, his one act would have rectified the whole creation because he was connected to everything. You see, he had business interests, so to speak. His neshama had business interests in the entire creation, which is astounding. That's why we don't even understand who Adam Rishon was. I mean, this man was human in a certain sense, but not like us. And the, the, the magnificence of this individual was beyond comprehension. And we know the famous Medrash that the Malachim, when they took a look at Adam, they thought he was God. Now, Malachim are pretty high up on the ladder there, right? And for them to be fooled into thinking that somebody is God, and they started singing Shira to him. You know, Shira, which means what? Song, you know, or praise or whatever, right? Can imagine what Adam was? We can't, okay? And the reason for that was because his neshama, right, was a neshama what's called koileles. It was a neshama that embraced the totality of the Bria. We don't even know what that means and so on. That's who he was. Yet he was still a man. He had free will and obviously he had temptation. <coughs> but what's interesting is that he then would have had descendants. Now, so Adam was connected to all the spheres and there are 10 of them, right? There was a ten of them. He was connected to all ten. And then he would have had descendants, right? That would have been part of his neshama. His descendants would not be connected to all ten. His, these descendants would come out of different spheres. So let's say there's a whole bunch of uh, people that would come out of chesed, which is the fourth, and so on. Some out of gvura. In other words, humans would have partaken of this person's incredible magnificence, right? But they would, they would emerge from these particular spheres. Okay, now what's important to remember is that they're only, you know, uh, what's, what you have to know is that there are 10 spheres, but each sphere has 10 subspheres. For instance, we know there's from Kesa to uh, Malchus, but then let's say Chesed itself has 10 subspheres, which is also called Chesed to Malchus. And each one of those spheres has sub-sub-spheres, which are also 10. It's an infinite progression of 10, 10, 10, within 10, within 10, within 10, and so on. So therefore, everybody else would have been connected to, let's say, let's say, uh, you know, a guy would have been connected to Chesed, another guy would be connected to Chesed of Chesed of Chesed, and so on. So there could be a certain amount of neshamas, each one deriving from specific spheres. Now, what, what that means, therefore, is that when you come out of a certain sphere, you have a certain nature, certain characteristic. You know, the classic, let's say, is Avraham Avinu, and he clearly was, he emerged from chesed, so to speak, right? Chesed, and therefore, his nature was to be a tremendous bal chesed. You see, the incredible thing about Avraham Avinu, chesed we know is, uh, a desire to give because the person wants to give. He has this incredible heart to want to want uh, to do good to others, right? Without any recompense or conditions, right? And Avraham Avinu had that in such an extent where not only he was a Baal Chesed, which means he would do favors and all that, but he actually sought to do Chesed. The famous story, you know, when he's sitting by his house all for you know, four doors on each side, waiting to do chesed, looking to do chesed, you see? So therefore, a person that emerges from different spheres will have different uh, combinations of, uh, of, uh, of uh, the characteristics that exemplify a sphere. 
whatever that is. But anyway, the main idea is that the descendants would have emerged from all the composite of Adam Arishim, each one having their own and so on, right? But they would not emerge from the first three, because the first three it does not it doesn't connect to this world except that the bottom seven emerge from the top three. But you would have seven, you see, and each of those seven, which is the primary spheres, each of those seven has ten within it, so a totality of seven times ten is seventy. You see? And those 70 spheres would be the first sub-level, right? And they are called roots. Shrasham. And they are the first descendants to emerge from Adam Arishim, which is interesting. Uh, therefore, they would be connected uh, at first. They would be the root. And everybody else would take also from the spheres, connected to the spheres. But they would be lower uh, in terms of uh, lower in the sense that they would be the same characteristic of their father or whoever they were come from, right? Uh, they would have the characteristics of that. So if somebody from Chesed would be a root, and if he had somebody now from, uh, you know, and he gave birth to somebody who was from his Chesed, which is Chesed of Chesed, you see, then he would have the characteristics of those combinations, but he would be a lower thing. He would be called a branch because he's already once removed from Adam. You see, so there's a, obviously it's an enormously uh, complex configuration. <clears throat> but the main idea is that there's Adam, who's the totality. Then there is subspheres, which would, give, which would be connected to Nishamas. And the, the first emergence of that would be called roots, Shrashim. And then after that, it would be broken down into what's called branches, Anofim. And more and more branches and so on, you see? And there's a precise amount of neshamas that the Mershim wanted to create. No more and no less. Now, what's the reasoning of God and so on, uh, you know, whatever that is and so on, and why the number and so on. But this is the way it should have been. Even had Adam not done the sin, you see. So there would have been mankind. Adam, all mankind equal in that sense, right? Because each, uh, each neshama has a consciousness and so on. And everybody would have been ultimately connected to the original ten spheres that Adam was initially connected completely. And that's, that's the way mankind would have been in Oilam Habo. Very important idea. See, <clears throat> therefore, Adam, who was spiritual, his job was to become more spiritual. It's really what it was. There was no problem with him. It wasn't in any way degraded. You see, his problem was he lacked complete spirituality, which means complete divacus or connection to God. Therefore, his perception of God was restricted or limited. And that was on purpose, so he should think <coughs> certain ideas which were mistaken and therefore have a test of who God really is. But he clearly was aware of God. I mean, you know, we don't even know how close he was to God, but he was allowed to make certain errors in his thinking because there was a certain amount of concealment of the presence of God in order to allow him to make that mistake. And, when, and therefore he needed that uh, mistake to choose between good and evil. Anyway, which I once spoke about uh, at length, you know, in previous and so on. Uh, anyway, this is the original uh, intent, the structure of man. So we see Adam is the sort of like, if you want to say, Adam is the ground connected to everything. 
and then there's the roots which are descendants which emerge first then there are branches and so on and all of them would be in Olam Habo and that's a very important understanding of the structure and what you have to remember is that there is no such concept of na nations it's just mankind you see now all mankind the only one who would have the test is Adamarishim everybody else would be uh, you know uh, um, taken from Adam in that sense you know and so on that was the original intent of God no such thing as a Jew no such thing as a Goy no such thing mankind what's called Minwa Inushi the humankind and so on and in a certain sense they're all in Edom Habo for eternity however unfortunately it didn't work out that way uh, so what Adam had okay is that uh, Adam sinned so therefore what happened as a result now remember each one still had those nishamas so theoretically they could still work their way back to being completely spiritual but what happened after the sin is they were no longer spiritual they no longer had spiritual bodies you see like the angels they became physical they descended into a physical world you see <clears throat> and what that meant is the following one Odomarishan who was the man obviously you know he became physical and as a result of that he lost his spiritual body so to speak you know we, we don't know what that is but it was a whole different way of existing and he becomes physical right so that meant this one is that he is now removed from God see Geshem or which is physicality <coughs> is a barrier it is a block to Ruchnius to spirituality why we don't see God we don't see any Malachim we don't see any of this we don't even understand the concept of a spiritual domain why because we are physical this is our problem so our physicality remains a barrier to our inability to know the spiritual universe Adam became physical and as a result of that he no longer can access those uh, perceptions that he had before he sinned uh, so therefore he became removed or dis disattached so to speak from the spiritual world which means he no longer had the perception of God the second thing as I mentioned is it became physical and physicality is a tremendous barrier to being spiritual in fact it is the major reason why we are physical because it does serve as a barrier therefore problem Adam now have is that he since he was no longer spiritual he couldn't become spiritual unless he would reverse the physicality of his body you see so now there's a second job so initially he was spiritual so he become elevated and more and more spiritual no problem because if you're in the you know if you're in that uh, what do you call it uh, makeup then you just want to increase that type of makeup but if you're physical and that's a barrier you need to remove the physical body and become spiritual which means you have to return to being Odin before the sin once you are like Odin before the sin then again you can be elevated spiritually you see so what he did is he created a new step in the tikkun initially the tikkun right would allow him to become more spiritual now the tikkun is got to get rid of the physical 
But there was something worse that happened. What was that? That he introduced the concept called Tumor into himself. You see, what does that mean? Is that there's an angelic being called a Satan. Now the Satan, okay, <clears throat> is a Malach that has his tentacles, so to speak, in the physical world. And Adam fell into that world. What happens then is you now develop what's called satanic drives. Because he now controls you. You see. What does that mean? That means that uh, the, the Satan can project a certain force or power. And that is uh, a, a certain power. And that power is called zoyamor, pollution or contamination. And he has that power over the physical body, over the physical world, you see. And as a result of that, Odom not only he becomes physical, but he now becomes subject to the Zoyamar, a physical, for a, a contaminated force of bad, evil in his body that tries to now tell him to do things against the will of God. So we now have a new uh, situation. Not only is Odom physical, he is also uh, part of a satanic world, which means that he now has tumor in him. Now there's a concept, so what happens is that the Zoyamo is part of his physical body. So not only does he have to become spiritual by removing the physical, he's got to become, even his physical is contaminated, he's got to remove the satan, which is the tumor in him, you see. Therefore, he's got, in certain sense, three jobs. One is to remove the zoyama, which is the, sat the satanic grab on the physical universe. One. The second thing is, even if he can evict the satan from his body, right, he's still physical. <coughs> you don't want to be physical, because that is a blockage, a barrier to the divine force. And the third thing is, even if he goes before that, I mean after that, which has become spiritual, like Odom after, before the sin, he still has to elevate himself to become so spiritual that he now becomes a resident of the future world. You see, this is a real fix. This is a very difficult situation that Odom Marishan now find himself in. So we've got uh, the understanding now of really, in a certain sense, of what is happening to Odom. You see, now we know there's a concept of Tumah. Um, Tumah, there's many mitzvahs in the Torah of the concept called Tumah, which is a spiritual entity, you see. But what is Tumah really? The human body has two aspects of it that are satanic. The first thing is called Zoyamah, which is, we all walk around with Zoyamah, which means the Satan is in us, okay? Now, what Zoyamah is, it is a force that decomposes people. It destroys, because that's what the Satan is. He's a demolition expert. He will destroy you, you see, because that's what he does. That's what his force does. And therefore, the universe has that force, you see. Uh, in terms of living things, they die. That's what the Bansha meant. On the day you eat it, you will die because you will be subject to the Satan, and he will kill you. You see, so, because that's what the Satan, the Zoyama does. It decomposes you, you see, and everything dies. All living things die because of the Satanic influence. 
uh, you know, just interesting, the, 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 uh, there's, there's a very important discovery that was made in biology, and I think it was a woman got the Nobel Prize for that. They discovered that at the end of every chromosome are telomeres. It's called telomeres, you see, and every time the cell replicates, this long chain of telomeres, whatever they are, cuts off by one, you see? And when it replicates again, cuts off by two. It shortens. And guess what? When the telomeres end, right, the cell cannot reproduce at all. Now, when all the cells are losing the telomeres, as they naturally reproduce, ultimately, they're not making any new cells anymore. You just have old cells, and the old cells, of course, die. There's no reproduction, no regeneration. And then, of course, the person dies. A person dies because he cannot regenerate cells. That's why he dies. I'm not talking about accidents, but a natural death is when a person cannot regenerate the cell. And uh, interesting enough, a cell cannot regenerate more than 50 times. I think that's the number that they discovered, which is a really very interesting number and so on, you know. Uh, but the main idea is that that's what death is. It's a decomposition or, uh, of the human, f of, of every life form dies. But what's interesting is the satanic influence is not just on the uh, life forms, it is also on the universe. It's concept of thermodynamics, the second law, entropy, that all energy states will deteriorate, okay, or diminish if left, unless there's new energy put into the system. You see, that's also satanic, you see, because it's the same composition. Everything decomposes and breaks down whether it be living or non-living. And this is the concept of Zoyama in the Bria, in the universe. Now, besides the fact that everybody has Zoyama, the surface, now the question is, where is the Zoyama, you see? The interesting thing about it is that Zoyama pervades the human form. I mean, all things, but and so on, right? Fine. But the problem is, what happens if Zoyama arises to the surface in a human? Then your tome. You see, and the Taharists, say the Taharists, is all about the rise of Zoyama to the surface and Yotome. It's interesting. But once Zoyama rises to the surface and Yotome, then you cannot go into any Mokum Kodosh, Beis Amigdosh. You see, so what you have to do is remove the Zoyama from the surface, which means you've got to push it back down, and then the, the Zoyama, which is Tuma, is no longer on the surface, and now you can walk in the Beis Amigdosh. So we can never get rid of Zoyama. But well, we can get rid of its surface uh, phenomenon and we become tall. Tahara is nothing more than removing the Zoyama at the surface, gets back down, and you can now walk in the base of Megdash. So that's really what Tuma is, it's surface Zoyama. In any case, but there is a way to remove Zoyama. There has to be, or else we're stuck, you see. Uh, so what we're understanding now is something very important. That Odom Harishan now had, in a certain sense, three jobs. One is you got to get rid of the Zoyama and remain purely physical. The second thing is you got to get rid of the physical body, right, and become spiritual. And then the third thing is even if you're spiritual, you have to elevate to get into Ilam Haba. Interesting. Three jobs. All because of Odom sinned. You know, what a disaster. But anyway, uh, this is really what has to take place and so on. Now, what is important to know is this. Is that, hey, wait a minute. There was something that we learned. 
that other Mauritian was supposed to have kids. Or I should say, humans. I don't know if they would have been kid, could be they would be born like him, fully grown, you know, and, and so on, you know. Uh, not, there would be no such thing as childhood, which is interesting. You know, till we, of course, have, you know, a baby has to be born, becomes a child, a toddler, well, it's an infant, a toddler, child, right? Then there's a preteen, teen, young adult, adult, and senior citizen. <laughs> right? That's the way we go, right? But in Adam's time, there wouldn't be any nursing homes or anything like that, right? Because you'd pop out, there would be hospitals, right? You would have popped out fully born. Like Adam. Adam was born he's at approximate age of, I think it was 22. <coughs> you know, any case, you know, he was a good looking guy. What can you say? 22 years old. That's like the prime of life, right? Now, but once he became, uh, let's put it this way, degraded, then all his descendants become degraded too. You see? They become degraded. Just like him. You see? So now all mankind is degraded with this problem, you see, of being physical and having the Zoyama. <coughs> and mankind now becomes degraded and is in that form. So what the Roshim has to do is obviously allow mankind to get back to the original state of Adam before the sin. You see. Or else what's the whole point? Now the reason why a man can do that I should say mankind can do that. How does he do that if he's physical? Because fortunately, Adam's body, so to speak, degraded, but not his neshama. You see, because he still has the neshama, which is connected to the spheres. The problem is he's got an outer covering of that neshama that is completely degraded. You see, so because Adam still has that neshama, you know, even though it's substantially concealed and so on he therefore can in a certain sense remove a the Zoyama kill the Satan because that's really what he has to do and then he becomes physical without the Satan at all and Zoyama then from the physical again becomes spiritual that's what Adam and then from there he can then ascend into Ilum Habo because then he's all spiritual so because Adam still had the neshama in that sense, he can reverse the process. So uh, the next phase of mankind, so the first phase of mankind is Adam before the sin. The second phase is Adam after the sin in a degraded state. He and all his descendants. That would have come out of him, right, had he not sinned. So now we're looking at you, mankind in general, degraded. But remember, there's still no concept of differentiation in man it's still mankind right <coughs> and they all have the power because of their nishama to elevate to remove to elevate and to go higher and higher and they're all equal in that there's no inequality in any of this so that's we are now where we are hopefully we are we are standing uh, so far at this point in time now the question is yeah go ahead when the Jews left Egypt. That's later on. Right. Did they get rid of the Zoyama? Yes. But I'm not there yet. Right? I'm right now after Adam's sin. And he's now going to give rise to a whole bunch of kids. New generations, right? 
right? You have Chanoich, right? Mesushalach. You had the whole in Parshas, uh, uh, what do you call it, Bracious. Uh, and Noach, you have the, all the generations. You see, <clears throat> now, what the Russian wanted is this. They want mankind to restore, to return to what they were before the sin, right? So what he's going to do is give a chance for this to happen. Okay? Now, what does that mean? It means mankind, but what he did is that he gave them a certain time limit. Because the time of effort is always finite. There's no such thing as infinitely working. There has to be a time of working and a time of reward, which is Oilum Habo. So he gives the world a max of 2,000 years for mankind to do the Tikkun and to reverse those three ideas. 2,000 years. Interesting, you see? And the ones he wants to reverse it is not the law in Ishamas. The, the, uh, the initial emergences of people from Adam, you see, they are called the roots, the primary roots, you see. And he wants these neshamas that emerges early on, obviously, because Adam is now and Chavo, they're having kids, and their kids are having kids, kind and Hevel, and so on, that this is called the generation or the phase number two, which is the root generation. And he wants these basic primary neshamas, individuals, that are born relatively early, they have to do the tikkun. And he gives them 2,000 years to do that. Remember, there's no such thing as a Jew, you see? And there's no such thing as a nation for those thousands of years. And they live a thousand years. And they live a, well, yeah, they live, and they live a long time to do that <coughs> tikkun process. Now, the question we can ask ourselves is, wait a minute, what are they supposed to do? There's no Torah, really. But what they were supposed to do, which is interesting, <coughs> they had the seven mitzvahs of Noach, before Noach, by the way, because Adam himself, the Medrash says, was commanded to do the seven mitzvahs. Even six. though, what was that? Six. Six besides not eating from, uh, uh, seven besides not eating from the tree. But anyway, <coughs> so the nations of the world, now if you look at the seven bnei, mitzvahs of Bnei Noach, do we know what they are, by the way? Okay, you can remember them by Aleph, Beis, Gimel, Dalar, Hei, Vav, Zion. That's a mnemonic. Okay? Aleph is Eva Menachai. What's Eva Menachai? Don't, if you want to eat an animal or whatever, don't eat it before it's dead. Eva Menachai. An organ or limb, whatever, from a living animal. You see? What is the... So that's the mitzvah itself. Now, people don't eat things that are still alive basically they, they kill it and so on I once mentioned the only basically the only there are animals that eat living creatures while they're alive but the problem in humans that's incredible cruelty to do that and what that mitzvah says basically is in, in, a, in, in a general way don't be cruel you want to eat this thing or whatever make sure it's dead so it doesn't experience the pain so, Eva Menachai is really a statement about cruelty, if you really think about that, you see? So that's number one. Beis is Birchus Hashem, which is a euphemism, don't curse God. So we say blessing God, it's a euphemism, okay? Don't, bless, don't curse God, okay? Obviously, why does a guy curse God? Why do people curse God? Because they're angry, right? People curse when they're angry. Why should anybody be angry? 
because he's frustrated, you see? That's what anger is. Anger is an emotion that you have when you're frustrated, you see? And therefore you get angry. Why is anger important? Anger is a very important emotion. Why? Because normally, and that's why God put a person to anger, not just to not get angry, there are times when you should get angry. But what is it for? Because when you get angry, you ever notice you feel incredibly powerful? Anger is an emotion that energizes you. You know, people who get raged feel incredible power. Think about that, the last time you got angry, right? Urgh, who cares what I do? You know what I'm saying? You felt like you were king of the universe, you know, and, and, and so on. So what anger does, and that's why the Bansham put it in the human, is you get angry because you're frustrated. Somebody's blocking you from ex fulfilling a need. So you get angry, all of a sudden you have the energy to remove the blockage. You see, so anger is a very important motion for survival because it draws energy. You get an adrenaline rush, and the adrenaline gets the whole body red at the fight, you know, or flight or whatever. So you can remove the frustration, you see. But why do, and that's why there is anger, uh, you see. But why do people curse God? Because they experience frustration by God, and they curse Him. But if everybody would realize that whatever God does for you is always good, you see, therefore you wouldn't really get angry because you would say, So in a certain sense, which means don't curse God, is really saying to you, realize that whatever God does to you, first of all, everything is from God, and second of all, whatever God does for you is what? Is for your service, is for your good, you see? So what it does is in some sense, it engenders trust in God. That's why don't curse God. Remember that whatever is happening to you is really for the good. The third Aver is called Gimel Geneva recognize the concept of possessions don't steal possessions it's the whole concept of bylos possessions ownership <coughs> okay that a person has a right to have a legal connection to objects to relationship that there is a relationship called ownership very important you see and that's why you look at you look at civilizations that did not recognize ownership for instance, communism. Communism doesn't recognize ownership at all. You see, we're all part of the proletariat, right? We all own everything together. It's absurd. That's why there's no incentives. That's why communism collapses all the time, because there's no incentives. When you take away ownership, you're taking away incentives for a person to do anything, see? So Geneva, don't steal, recognizes, right, that there's a concept called ownership. Dalit is din. Mankind must have laws, just laws and righteous laws, right? In order to allow society to exist. If there are no laws, then it's a free-for-all. That's chaos and it's anarchy and so on, you know? Hey is hariga, killing. Don't murder a person. In other words, you must recognize that every person has as much right to exist as you do. That's what hariga is. In other words, like, like the Gemara says, you know, who says your blood is redder than the other guy, you see? And that's what it means, that you must respect all human life. Because everybody has the right to exist, just like you do. And therefore you cannot exterminate, or obliterate, annihilate somebody else. Vav is called Avodah Zorah. 
Okay? Do not worship idols. How does Vav connect with Avodah Zorah? Because I use this memo. What? Just to remember. Well, the way it connects is Vav is vest when a woman becomes a nida. She, uh, it's called a vest. A vest, right? So, uh, so it says there that, that uh, the tumor that Avodah uh, Zorah has the same tumor as a nida that is, uh, that a woman who's a nida. So from the word vest, go to Avodah Zorah. Anyway, it's a little forced, but okay. it works if you remember the connection between nida, Zionist Zimo, Znus, immorality. What? In the what? As a different mnemonic, you could do Aleph based Gimel Dalet. Yeah. And then the Shalosh Hamuras. Oh, you mean Hariga? Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. You could do that. Okay. But uh, anyway, and of course, Zion, so Vav is you cannot worship idols, which means that you have to recognize that God is the sole power. And Zion is Znus, which is immorality, obviously, and so on, you know, and that you cannot take somebody else's wife. That's the real Isavesha Sish and so on. Uh, but obviously it means far more than that, the concept of immorality and so on. So those are the ten mitzvahs of, of, uh, of uh, excuse me, seven mitzvahs of Noach. Now, but what we see essentially from them is that they're really mitzvahs, right, that allow civilization to function. Think about that. If these things did not exist, there would be no civilization. You know, people killed each other, stole from each other, no system of justice, right? Zemo, where everybody's taking everybody else's wife, right? And you're worshiping idols, which means you believe in other gods, you do whatever you want, and you're cursing God and so on. There's no civilization. You don't recognize in a soul power, right? There's no civilization. So basically, the seven mitzvahs of Noach, right, is the concept how do you preserve civilization? But so then the what? Ibn Chay also put in that. Uh, yeah, like I said, it's, it, 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 it cur curbs cruelty. Yeah, you know. The Torah uses that way to, to, to uh, try to train you not to have that. In any case, uh, so these are seven, but it's basically preserved civilization. So then the question is, when God gave over the first phase or the second phase called the roots, let them do the tikkun, right? Which are the immediate descendants of Odomarishim, right? So how are they going to do it? And the answer is, it's not just the seven mitzvahs. Because the seven mitzvahs preserve civilization. That means men can live together, right? And function together. <coughs> what they really were supposed to do is have what's called God consciousness, you see. Because those generations in the early time, believe it or not, were much more close to God and more spiritual. But they had tremendous, like I say, you know, the more spiritual because he ate Sahara. But what they were supposed to do is live a spiritual life. Look, take people like Hanoich. He was spiritual. What does that mean? You know, he didn't have the mitzvahs we have. He didn't have the Tariyag mitzvahs and so on. But what he did, right, is he thought about God. He was moral. You see, he thought about God and how it should interact with his life. Same thing with Mesushalach, Shem Ve'eva. There were many righteous people in those generations, 20 generations from Odom until Avram. And what they did is they led spiritual lives. Now, we don't know the exact content of their spiritual lives. We don't really know. What? Exactly. So what does that mean? They had God consciousness. 
you know and, and, and so on which means that when they woke up in the morning they thought about God they thought about how to curb the human nature you know the, the physical and all the needs of man and so on so that's really how they did it even without the Tariag mitzvahs because in a certain sense they were more spiritual than us but they also had tremendous Yitzhaharas because you know it's always like that the greater your status the greater is your Yitzhahara so they fell uh, but that's what they were supposed to do had they been spiritual had they really led spiritual lives then they would have done the Tikkun you see they would have restored themselves they would have got rid of the Yitzhahara they would, they would, number one. Number two, they would have re removed their physical body, become like Odom Rish before the Chet, and then they could elevate themselves. You see? It was possible. And remember, there are no Jews now. It's just mankind. That was their purpose. What happened? Okay. So what happened was they sinned. They sinned so bad, you see? In fact, what's interesting is that they were so great you know, there were malachim that wanted to come down. We, we have the whole concept of malachim coming down there and so on, you know, becoming physical and all that, you know. <clears throat> because we're not, these people are not, not just ordinary people. They were much greater than us, even though it, it's hard to believe that, you see. But what happened was they became evil. There was some people that remained really spiritual and so on, you know, became evil. So evil, in fact, that God said, enough is enough. I must wipe them out. He didn't <clears throat> no, because the, here's the problem. Yeah, exactly. Why? Because you have to remember one thing. When the world becomes so evil that, like it says, kolbasa, you know, I mean, this is the two in Pasha's Nerf, right? That all basa means flesh and blood, whatever that means, right? Corrupted itself. You see, that means everybody was evil. It's astounding that everybody chose to be evil and corrupt themselves. So God said enough is enough, right? So he destroyed them all, except Noach. What does that mean? That means the marble. What was the marble really? It was water, but it wasn't just water. I mean, how do you get that much water? There isn't, much, there isn't so much water that can drown the planet hundreds of feet high. It came up to Mount Ararat, which was thousands of feet high. You know, the oceans are not that high. They don't have that much water to drown the whole planet and so on. But what the problem, the thing is that it wasn't just the water here. It was waters that came out from the windows of heaven and from the great abyss. You see, and what was that really? Those were the spheres that turned to water, which is a physical analog, and destroyed the human race, other than Noach. That's really what it was. In fact, the Ramchal says something very interesting, that if you want to know, well, what's the ratio of the evil to the good at that time after 10 generations? Because the Rebbeinah wanted them to rectify the 10 spheres in 10 generations. <coughs> so at the end of the 10th generation, which is Noyach, they were so evil that the Ramchal says that the ratio of the good to the bad or the bad to the good is what is the volume of the Teva compared to the volume of all the water on the planet? It's absurd. That's the amount of evil this, this, this generation had. It was incredible. In other words, the amount of water in the planet was the amount of evil, and the amount of good was the teva. Do you believe this? Now, we don't even have an understanding of what that means. But the Torah says, that everybody corrupted themselves. You see? So the Roshim decided 
this is not working very well. And the problem is this. So why destroy them? <clears throat> because the problem is that if somebody's born into a generation that is so totally evil, guess what? You will become evil. You have no chance. Even if you have free will, you can't become good because you are connected, you live in a society that it's totally evil and they become your major influence. It's like Sadoim. You believe, believe being born in Sadoim? You would have become evil too. In other words, even, you may have free will, but you don't have the opportunity to have it because you are surrounded by such incredible amount of evil. You see? So the Russian, what he did was he took them all out because now even with free will, forget it. Nobody's going to be good. This example of, of the evil being compared to the water, he says this in Dech Hashem? No, he says this in Kinnis Hashem Tzavokas, where it says, Inyin uh, if you want to look at it and so on. It's an incredible statement, but that's the concept of the Teva and so on. Anyway, uh, so therefore the Hashem took them out. And the only one who survived was Noach. Now Noach was one of the Shroshim. He was one of the roots, you see, uh, of, of mankind. But what's interesting, probably, is that Noach himself took everything from Adam because everybody was wiped out. Noach is the only one left, right? So you have to have 70, you have to be connected to the spheres, right? So then Noach, in a certain sense, took over from Adam. And therefore, he could give rise. He was now connected to all the spheres, you see, and this was, of course, uh, incredibly historical. And therefore, he began the human race. It's interesting. We don't come from he Adam. He was also born, born Mahal, like Adam Arishan. Yes, correct. I'm saying that. That's right, yeah. So he could do that, exactly, you see. So therefore, now comes Noach, because really, when you think about it, you know, we are really descended from who? From Noach. Not Adam. I mean, Noach is descended from Adam. He's the only one remaining. But really, Noach becomes Adam. You know what I'm saying? Because he's the only one left. Then, of course, he has his three kids and Shem, you know, and so on, right? Uh, Shem, Chomen, and Yefes, and so on. And he now goes for another ten generations. You see? So we're back to square one, which is the generation of the roots, right? And these are relatively early descendants of Adam, right? And it is their job to do the Tikkun. Ten generations goes by, another ten, no good. Now we encounter the Doha Floga. We encounter the Doha Floga, which is the generation of dispersion. Yeah. And they, they're, they're trying to build some edifice to kill God. I mean, it's hard to understand what these guys were thinking about and so on. Because if you think about it, I mean, today, at least today, you can build a World Trade Center. You know, so what is it, 110 stories or whatever, you know? I mean, how, how high can they go? 500 feet? I mean, and you think about that, you know, how, you know, what they think, anyway. Anyway, it's hard to understand what in the world they were thinking, because it doesn't make sense. You, how you, they knew clouds were higher, how you can't go into the clouds, I mean, maybe they try to build it on top of mountains, who knows, you know. But in any case, it's called the last straw. So the Baal said, listen, this is going to continue, you know, and nobody's doing the tikkun. None of the shrashim, which are the early descendants of Adam, are doing the tikkun. You see, what's the whole point of all this? Except one person, Avramavino. And this is the beginning of the change of mankind. This was one of the greatest historical events in world history in terms of the divine agenda. Is that why the, the, the key factor by the Akedah, Hashem said that you're going to be the one, is because keep 
because Lamana Shiit Sabas Yes. That you're gonna be the one instead of this nonsense that's being Yes, that's right. Now you understand what's going on with Avram Avinu and so on, you know. But Avram Avinu now becomes the root or he becomes the one. Because everybody else is trying to build a tower to kill God. And so what the Barsham did, look, I gave 2,000 years for the Tikkun to be processed by the generation of roots. It's not working. I now have to end that, okay, and I now have to look around and see who's the only one doing this, you see? And this decision by God to now look around ultimately and judge has incredible uh, repercussions on mankind. You see, you know. <coughs> um, so he becomes the root and becomes the Elan. Correct. He becomes the what? Adam. No, no. Uh, Aram becomes the, the Elan, the tree. He becomes the ground. The ground? Yeah, he takes over from Adam. Because you need somebody to be connected to everything. And the Jews really come from that. But that's a whole process of, of how it began. It's just that it's late, so I, you know, I realize you guys are all clued into everything, you know. But the question is, how long can I go, really, you know? But we're now up to uh, Avram Avinu, and, and that is a, that's one of the greatest events of human history. So what happened when Adam Arishan, uh, not the, when uh, Avram Avinu, now takes over Adam? When you say that Avram is chesed, if he becomes a, a root, he should be yes yes that which, which is true yes but once uh, it, it's interesting even if you now connect to other roots right you still he emerged from chesed so that still remains a very a very forceful dominant. you say dominant and so on but uh, Avram Avinu is far more than just chesed he now becomes the proof of that which I was going to say when the Barsham says to Avram Avinu in you will be blessed all the uh, families of the earth huh? what do you mean in you will be blessed all the families that can only be said of Adam Arishan not to descendants of any of the individual spheres you see so Avram Avinu himself now becomes the Sherish of the, the, the root in a certain sense like Adam of the entire Bria you see and that's what you begin to see what the Sukkim really say and so on you know but in any case we're now at the uh, the, the uh, event of Adam Rishim and uh, Avram Avinu and what that did to mankind to, and, and from here we begin to see the whole concept of non-Jew why and, and how, it, how it all happened and uh, I'll continue it next week and we'll finish next week the whole concept of the nations of the world and how we, uh, why they're Jews today, what the significance of that is, and, and, and so on, you know? Any non-Jew that was born after Akhavir was chosen, it's a baby that didn't do anything wrong yet, so to speak. And yeah, but, yeah, I, I will talk about that, yeah, exactly, what the problem is now, you know? Well, he actually, he, he, he go ahead. Getting back to Noah, that he was, that all the spirits from Adam, great people. Yeah. But Adam gave 70 years of his life to David. David. Yes. It wasn't just years, he was 
given him his life. So yeah. David must have got a couple too, no? Well, David got years because David, look. Uh, if he got spirits, maybe. Adam had to give life to Dovr Melech because Adam should have been the Mashiach. And since he wasn't, he had to give life to whoever would continue that process. It happened to be Dovr Melech. But it wasn't, it wasn't, yeah, but in other words, there was no necessity for Mashiach had Adam not sinned, right? But now that Adam sinned, right, there had to be a Messiah, a Mashiach, right? So he gave 70 years of his life Right? To whoever, Wh whoever, a, a, whoever would be in that role, correct. That's why he gave, it happened to be David HaMelech, you know. But it was intended for the person that would be the Mashiach, since he was not the Mashiach, he had to give it to somebody that would be. See? And, and Mashiach would have all that spirits? Yes. Well, uh, yeah, well, in, in a certain sense, yes, you know. Anyway, uh, okay, any questions so far? David, just technically, so. Before they they hate about them, it says the uh, it took all the earth from around and created Adam. Yeah, Adama. Yeah, that's right. What does that mean? How do we understand that? Well, and that oilum he was in before the hate. Like I say, you know, he was, was in oilum yitzira. Like physicality. I, exactly. Well, the whole description of Adam sounds like physical. Can't eat from the tree. What tree? You know. So the Ramchal says interesting in Das Tfunus, he says that even though the Torah describes it physically. But the Ramchal says it wasn't the way we think eating is and all that stuff. His achila wasn't an achila. He says that openly. It wasn't a physical. It wasn't. A, we, we don't really know what it was because we don't know what it, what it means to be Adam before the chet. After the chet, God did say to him, "Keep me Adama, you, and you're going to return to Adama." So therefore, whatever the spirit, so therefore whatever the physical counterpart of the spiritual earth. Uh -huh. See, there's a physical counterpart, right? You know, but it wasn't the same concept that we think. Mm -hmm. Ramchal says that openly in Das Tfunas. Even though the Torah describes it in physical ways, he says Adam was not physical the way we are. It's a whole different... Uh, kind of like con concretize after the chay, like... Well, after, yeah, he became physical. Sure, everything became... But sure. the counterpart was there, so yeah. to speak. And then he yes. concretized after the chay. Yes, yeah. So, so the whole Torah is a metaphor? Why do you say it's a metaphor? tree wasn't a tree it was. no it was a tree it was a tree but not in the way we think of a tree we don't know what that means but it was a tree counterpart it was a, yeah, metaphor. no it's not a metaphor that's a real tree except it doesn't it's not the same kind of tree that we see as trees that's not a metaphor a metaphor is some type of a uh, what do you call it a representation Right of something else, that tree was a tree. It wasn't a representation. It was just a whole different level of being. We don't know what that was. Got it? It's not a metaphor. It's not a representation. It's a real thing. Except the look. You know what it's like? Imagine you're looking at ice. Right? Right? But ice is also water and it's also steam. So does that mean the steam is a metaphor? No. The ice. It was this ice is was then steam. But it was still water in that sense, you see? That's not a metaphor. That's, a, that's another type, it's another form of ice. So we could say that the tree is another form of a physical tree. But we don't know what the nature of that is. Because we have no idea what Adam was before the sin. Got it? Anything else? 
You said Adam Arishan introduced the whole system of Tuma to the world. The Zoyama, correct, yeah, that's right. There's no Tuma before him. But now, what the Zoyama we have today in the world, is it mostly from Adam Arishan or mostly from what we created after the system was in place? No, it's basically the Zoyama that he fell into, physical world. What we do, no, we don't expand Zoyama, we expand, well, the Zoyama is, no way to get out of it. What we what, remember, the Sultan has three jobs. Zietzahara, right, he's a Sultan, he's a Mahamavas. When we, when do we sin, what we do is we expand his power and influence, but not his being. Let me become more Tomei, he is Tomei, he is Zoyama, that's what he does. But, he, you know, the question is, what's, his, what's the extent of his influence? That we give him so when we choyte. Like the question I asked you before, like why, why did he only have one Nisayana? We have so many Nisayana. Because the Torah... Because ah, I didn't answer that yet. That's true. Because the Torah changed. That's why. I, I, that you have to understand what that means. The it's the environment. Well, it's not just the environment changed. The... Uh, the uh, the physicality changed. The influence of the Sutton became much greater, so you need a greater That's antidote. So, because the Torah is the Torah is an antidote. You know, if someone gets sick, right? A guy gets sick, right? And it's just a mild, whatever it is, you know, right? So you give him a certain amount. If this guy has a super bug, <coughs> you know, one of these, uh, you know, uh, mercy, or, mm. you know, you, you gotta you gotta zap him with everything you got, you know. Same idea, which, which we'll talk about, you know. The Torah exists in many forms. Got it? <clears throat> and uh, remind me next week to tell you the different forms. But it exists in many forms. The form that it takes depends on the uh, level of Ruchni that we're in. When we're at a very low Ruchni, we need more Torah to keep us going. You see? So it's like greater and greater antibiotics as we get sicker and sicker and sicker. <laughs> I want to use that metaphor, you know. <laughs> and I want to tell you something. We are very sick. <laughs> you know, we are really sick. And we live in an incredibly sick world, you know. So we need all the medication we can get to survive. But I'll explain that next week. Just remind me. I don't want to forget it. Yeah. The first 2,000 years that the people are supposed to be connected to Hashem, who is supposed to teach them? Who's supposed to teach them how to be connected to, to God if they, they had no Torah and no instructions? Well, well, well. How are they supposed to know? Well, Just wake up in the morning and because feel, it, feel connected? First of all, we don't know what their level of connection to the Bansham was. It wasn't like today. Today it's terrible, you know. The second thing is there were righteous people in those Very days. Few. We don't know because they all died, and but they were not... They were not able to influence their generation. We only know of a couple, right? Chanoich, Mr. Shelach, Shem, Eva, Peleg. I mean, whoever, whoever, you know, and and of course, no, then there's no. And he didn't. Yeah, you know, the problem is that all of them never interacted like Avraham Avinu. I mean, Avraham Avinu went out. He's the first Kirov guy. You think about that, you know. So you had many, many tzaddikim, but they just never had the influence for whatever reason. To do it, you know, and so on, you know, and uh, you know, and, and and therefore they were never able to influence the like door. You can't say Noach didn't. He did criticize them, but they they left it. Yeah, yeah, but what the problem? Probably Donovan for them, maybe, but he. he well, it, the the Torah faults him in a certain sense. 
that's what he called, you know, tzaddik impels, you know, he's a, he's a tzaddik, he's got his own fur coat, but you know, he doesn't want to go out there, you know. Uh, and the Torah does fault him, that's why, uh, you know, he was not able to influence, you know. Avraham Avinu was a whole different type of person. He's a I tremendous I dynamic. I thought originally in 930 years, couldn't you second his own pet, he did sugar. Who, Adam? Yeah. No, because, uh, the, w see, the problem is this, that once you fall, you see, tshuva will remove the culpability, but it will not necessarily change the state. In other words, if he, he's obviously held guilty, right, and so on. So a person does tshuva, so he won't go to Gehenim, right? But that doesn't necessarily change the consequences of what he did, you see. For that, you need much more greater labor, you see. What? Well, in a certain sense, yes. Well, Mamza didn't, it's not his fault what altogether. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it was, like I say, you know, there's two consequences. A person sins, so the first consequence is that sin has an effect. It results in something. But also the guy's guilty for doing it, right? And so on. So tshuva can remove the guilt and the punishment. But it doesn't necessarily remove the effect of what you did. But doesn't the Ramchal say, Mr. Susharim, that the that a person feels is the from the mitzis. In other words, it's that it never existed. Correct, and, and therefore, so therefore, no, 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 and therefore, he is not held guilty. I know he's not guilty. He's from the mitzis. It's as if it doesn't. No, the mitzis. No, the of the chet, but not the physical change. Yeah, there are consequences. Uh, like uh, you know, it says well, it says muuvah shulo yuchel esaking. You know, it's a right. You know, two people get together that are also to live with each other. They have a kid, and the kid's a mamza, mm -hmm. right? So what are they going to do? They do tshuva. The kid's still a mamza, right? Uh, there are that's the, what the pasuk is. The way way there's certain things that you cannot change. Once Adam did the chet and he changed reality, which he did. You know, even if he did tshuva, which he did. Right? Fine. So you did your culpability and therefore the, 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 the sin of what you did has changed. But it doesn't change the reality that you now created a degraded world. You see? Not everything can be changed. We see that. That's what the Pesach says. Yeah, we'll, 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 we'll change the world. No, not he. He. No. The Jews will change the world. Through him. No. With him. No. We will change the world. Right. He will bring the results of our change. But he does not change the world. I mean, his influence will change us. No. So therefore, what he will do is actualize the effect that we did. And he will bring it to actualization. But he does not do it. We do it. Our thousands of years of golas, our mitzvahs, our tshuva, our thousands of years of exile, and all <coughs> the enormous suffering that the Jewish people have done, that we have done the tikkun. He will bring the tikkun into reality. You see the difference? Right, so how does he do that, bring it into reality? How does Mashiach bring it into reality? Because reality changes, and he's just able to introduce it. Changed. But I'm saying when he comes onto the scene, he's not going to influence the whole world to go ahead and change their ways? No, no, yeah. it, well, yes, but he can only come after the tikkun has been complete. We will have done the tikkun. Okay. And then he's the person who comes and says, okay, there's no more Zoyamo, the Sutton is dead, right? That's the whole right. concept, right? Not only that, we have Tchir right? He doesn't do Tchir He's not a magician. 
He doesn't raise the dead, no. The dead rise because of the tikkun that the Jews did for thousands of years. He doesn't do any of this, you know. But the, the, what the Mashiach does is he grabs the reality that now exists because of the work of the Jews for thousands of years. He grabs that reality, that ore, and he brings it into the Bria. But the ore is now available. Before that, it's not. But he's also going to teach the world how to... How to well, yeah, that's the... Yeah, of course, yeah. Right. Yeah, yes, yeah. We're going to go ahead and listen to this person. Yes, oh, and yeah. And all the Jews are going to come under one leadership and, and listen... Correct. ...to this great, wise... It'll be more chachom than Shlomo Melech or as much... And as Far greater than Shlomo. Shlomo. Okay. So I once told you what the Medrash says. Far greater. Far, the Medrash says that he's greater than Avraham Avinu. Not bad. Okay. He's greater than Moshe Rabbeinu, not bad. <coughs> and he's greater than the Malachim, not bad. Malachim? Correct. So no I mean, I don't know what's higher than that. Okay. You know, you're not talking about low-level Malach either. You know, he's talking about the Malachim, the whole class. There are ten classes of Malachim. He's a very, what can I say, he's, a ve he's the, probably, the, in terms of Kedusha, he's the greatest man that ever lived. In terms of Kedusha. And what he will do is astounding. But if he's living today, which we're close to the end, yeah, that means he's a regular person born today. He's in prison. Tremendous because he's in prison. That's why. We could not survive if he was released from his prison. I don't mean a literal prison. I mean a figurative prison. <clears throat> the Mashiach himself is an individual that nobody knows who he is. Even he himself doesn't know who he is until he's released. You may suspect... Because the Mashiach is an individual that has incredible spiritual powers, except it's all locked up. And the Baruch has made sure. So what happens is, the time will come, and that's the beginning of the Aschalta de Gula, when the Mashiach is informed of who he is. A. Not only that, when the Mashiach will begin to be released. Whatever holds him down and as a whole, I once spoke about that in one of the Shurim, He's released from that klipo, which is the locks, chains, and so on. And then he begins to grow, you see. And, and because if he grew totally what he is, he would kill everybody. He, you could not stay in the same room with this man. Could you stay in the same room as Moshe Rabbeinu? No. You can't even imagine what that is. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous, you know. I mean, here's, a, here's an individual that spoke to God for 40 years, right? Spoke to him face to face, whatever that means. Well, whenever he wanted to. I mean, it's like, we can't even imagine what that is, right? So you couldn't stay in the room with Moshe Rabbeinu. How do you stay in the room with a man that's greater than Gavriel? I mean, that's ridiculous. And he's a human being, right? You know what I'm saying? He's a, he's a guy that puts them to shame, in that sense. Reveal over here. It's not going to help. And who's going to reveal to Mashiach that he's Mashiach? God. Same thing with the snare. It, only God can tell the Mashiach, you see, nobody else. You can scream, we want Mashiach now. <laughs> it's not going to work. You need a divine communication from God. You're the man. And then, and what that means ultimately is that the klipa that surrounds him, which enchains him and so on, is broken. And then he begins to grow slowly so that everybody can survive. And not only that, everybody will begin to grow also. Torah. In Torah. And that's, yes. Something will happen where the Torah is going to be spread throughout Klai Israel. You know, listen, we live in a terrible generation. In every generation, just as a, as a thought, you know, you know, 
the Jews were, it, we, the, the suffering of the Jew consists of the Jews being persecuted, punished, all kinds of bad stuff, right? But we've never seen a generation where Judaism is being destroyed. 11 million Jews are gone. And then many of them are married to Goyim. It means they're married to Goyim. How are they going to go back to Judaism? What's a guy going to do? He's got his wife. He's got his kids who are Goyim, right? Or whatever, right? So what the Bronshim has to do is bring back everybody, even those that are married to non-Jewish people. And nobody knows how that's going to be. But the Mashiach <coughs> will not come to a generation of Jews that are Maratzim, or he kill them all. Can't do that. That means he can't grow if the Jews are like this. So in order for him to grow and not kill everybody, the Jews themselves have to go through a certain period of time which we cannot comprehend. And then he can come. That's why this whole concept, we want Mashiach now, what's that supposed to mean anyway? You know? People talk about it like that, they have no idea what concept that is. You know, I mean, we don't even understand what the Messianic era is. It is something that you cannot describe. I'm talking about the Messianic era, which is what? Which is an era of the physical world. Mashiach is a man, he's a human being. And we cannot understand what it means that the earth will be filled with the knowledge of God. It's incredible, we don't even know what that means. Uh, you see, and, you know, and, and this is what the Medrash says, so therefore, what does it mean that, uh, you know, we want Mashiach now? But it could happen anytime. You know, I believe we're at the threshold of that, in, of that event. That it's, you know, I'm saying it's around the corner, but I believe that everything you're seeing now, the, you know, yeah, I always, uh, I like to describe it, you know, if you go to a play, right? Yeah. There's usually three acts, then in the third act, there are like two scenes, right? Mm. Act, act one, two, and three, then there's act three, Scene one, scene two, and let's say scene three, right? Scene three is not developing the plot. It's bringing anything, everything to a climax. That's what the last thing does, right? It's got to bring the whole play together, all the actors and the characters and the plot and all that. It's got to end it, right? right? That's, that's scene three. We are now scene three. That's why you see what's going on in current events. Trump, the Congress, or everything I spoke about. That's, what, that's, that's scene three. And that's not only scene three. That's the UN, that's World War II, World War I. All of that is part of scene three. It brings together the evil of the world and the ultimate redemption of the so Jewish people. scene three could be 100 years since World War I. No, years. no uh, well, World War I was... 1914, right? Uh, yeah, till 70. How many years is that? A couple of years? It's not, it's not long. I don't believe it's that long, you know. Because the Bershman already initiated things which are clearly messianic. You know, well, messianic. Exactly, that's messianic. You know, the fact that Israel is rising amongst the nations of the world. I mean, it's incredible. You look at a nation that has what? Just I think they just passed. You know, I think they passed nine. Whatever. You know, it's ridiculous. It's nothing. It's not. It's less than one quarter of one percent of the world's population. Yet it is now the eighth greatest nation on the planet, according <coughs> to the, these guys who rate industrial nations. The eighth. It's um, unbelievable. How did the Jews, people don't understand, this, this isn't normal. There are 15 million Zulus, and there are 9 million Jews. The Taliban is 15 million Taliban. You know that? Yeah, it's the largest tribe in the world, Taliban, you know, where they hang out and all that, you know? 15 million Taliban. Afghanistan, Iraq, I mean, wherever, that whole section where they are, right? It's 15 million of them. 
You know, you know what I'm saying? And there's only 9 million Jews. Huh? When's the last time you heard of Taliban? No, you never hear these guys. Uh, you never heard of the Zulus. Right? Yeah, it's a joke. How c That's divine. People don't understand. Because they don't think. That is divine. For a nation of 9 million people to be at the forefront of the Bria in so many different fields, you know, and the whole and every day you open the newspaper there's something about Israel something you know the UN condemned them that's usually what it is or something like that you know uh, there's something about Israel it's crazy, it's crazy what's going on right how can a nation of such small amount of people dominate the world news you know I mean Trump is always talking about Israel you know and what's his name people are always talking about Israel why People have to understand that's divine, because Israel is the focal point of the Bria. That's why, you know, and therefore that itself says that we are very close to Mashiach. That it's only by itself. You don't need more, you know. And the fact that, uh, like I say, you know, uh, all the Jews are coming back means the Golis is ending. That's another concept, you know. The fact that you have internet is another messianic process, because the Mashiach just has to get on the computer. There you are. Because the internet is global connectivity, you can talk to ev everybody, and that's one second. one second in real time. And that's why there's wireless because you're in the Mojave Desert and you got a computer to make a difference. You don't have to be plugged into anything. It's, amazing. Uh, it's incredible that that the, uh, the Bereshit has allowed a device where everybody can talk to one guy on the computer. You know, like where did this happen? You know, it's uh, but it, it's messianic. People don't understand the internet is messianic. But first, of course, the Sultan wants to do, it, will do what he wants to do with it, which is what he always does. He might try to destroy the whole planet with immorality and all that. You know? But uh, yeah, all, all this is messianic. But nobody sees because they're all individual. But when you put the whole thing together, that's what it is. We're at the threshold of the messianic the era. Rav, Chuck Schumer and all these people, they're considered, they're considered Jews? The, the era of Rav, yeah, they're, they're Jewish. Jews. Yes. Could you count them as a minion? <laughs> <laughs> I do not talk about halacha. No, Go ask a poisek. That's a that's a that, that's a halachic shaila. I only talk hashkafa. I don't talk halacha. You know. Anyway. Wow. Oh, yeah, of course he did tshuva. But he said, but the Jews for all the all the Jews from Abraham up to now are going to complete. His job, what he should. Correct. Done. We will complete his job. Yeah. So That's what I'm going to talk about. Say thank you to us. <laughs> <laughs> he made a good. <clears throat> I want to tell you something, and I'll end with this because we're with you. know, <clears throat> I was once in the car, I had gone to the bank in Lakewood, so I sat in the car, you know, whatever, and I was listening to the radio, and I turned to a channel, right, and this this huge roar. It was a stadium filled with people, and they were talking about, I don't forgot the guy's name. Um, he's a Hispanic pinch hitter. You can, somebody who knows baseball would know, you know? He's probably one of the greatest, uh, no, not pinch hitter, um, pitcher. Rodriguez? Yeah, Rodriguez. <laughs> See, and there's somebody to know out there. Anyway, he retired. I think he retired, Rodriguez. Okay. I think so, it's him, yeah. Anyway. So the crowd was beyond belief. Yeah. You know, and, and, and who was speaking? All the chashuvei. 
the, the important world stars in baseball, the best pitcher, the best guy, I mean, you know, the manager of the team, all that, right? And, they, and every time they, somebody got up to speak, uh, they, they started screaming. I mean, you could hear the roar, you know? So then I said, I said, that's absolutely incredible. Why? Who is this guy? I don't know who this guy is. I don't follow baseball, whatever, you know? I said, it's a nobody. I mean, he's a nice guy. I mean, I have no idea who he is. I'm not putting him down as a person. But really, when you think about it, what do he do? He's a pitch? pitcher. He was a good pitcher. He heard a ball. He's dead. He, you got up, you couldn't hit. He was fair, okay. See? You're gone. You're gone. Okay, okay, okay. I, 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 I get the passion. But, but think about it. What is the significance of improving the universe, right? Because he's a good pitcher. I mean, a little on a scale, you know, maybe register 0.0001, whatever, you know. I'm not in any way denying who he was. I'm not denying his talent. Could have been Gavaldi. But if you ask yourself, I mean, great. But if you ask yourself, like, who cares? I mean, if this guy didn't exist, so what? I mean, like, who cares? What did he, what did he do for the universe or for man? Nothing. Anyway, so I said to myself, if this is what will happen to a guy like this, right? Who basically does something that's completely insignificant. I mean, it's significant to people who love baseball, it's a pastime and all that. But in terms of the real focus and the, uh, the, the tasks of the improvement and the greatness of man, it's nothing. <clears throat> so I realized something, that at the end of time, when the Mashiach comes, right? Okay. Do you know what's going to happen? Here's what's going to happen. You're going to have not only the entire world, every Jew is going to be in the middle of the stadium and on the outside for hundreds of miles, the entire global population will be there screaming their heads off because the Jews brought the Tikkun. Right? And not only that, you're going to have the lineup of all the malachim, the hundreds of trillions of angels, right? Looking down, right, in the heaven, and you look up and you see, you know, it's like galaxies and galaxies of malachim. They're all going to be screaming their heads off, right? Why? Because the Jews did the tikkun. The greatest hero of all will be the Jewish people, right? And all of you will be there in the center being screamed at and lauded in an unbelievable way by all the angels, the human race, everything. You see, that's what's going to be. And because the Jews did the tikkun, they rectified creation, they stopped all the evil, right? And they brought the presence of God back into the universe. And we don't even understand what that means. That's what I thought. Really if this Rodriguez can do this, could you imagine the real heroes of the Bria, of the creation, what's going to happen? We have no idea. You see? So all the Jews, whoever lived as a Jew, whoever took part in the Tikkun, I'm going to be in the middle of that stadium, whatever it is, and be surrounded by the entire human race and the entire what's called Pamayil Shemayla, the entire heavenly domain screaming their heads off celebrating right <clears throat> that's what's going to happen
you know. And don't forget the rashes. Who? Russian evil people are going to be running for cover. Well, I, I'm not even talking about they. They were, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, but it, it, it won't. It, it's not going to help them because it's too late for them. And they'll. Could you imagine the goyim that wanted to destroy, hate Jews? Can imagine what they will be thinking. You can imagine what the fear. And it's because it's over with, and they realized the incredible mistake that they made. You know, all the goyim in the world, all the anti-Semites, everybody who hated the Jews. It's gonna be, it's gonna be something that it's gonna be it'll be almost impossible to assimilate what is gonna happen on that day. Impossible. That's what I realized listening to this guy being cheered on by a whole stadium. It must have been fifty thousand people. You know, he must have been a great pitcher, whatever the guy was, right? Great pitcher. Yeah, he's the best yeah, he was a relief pitcher. Okay. It must have been a really great way. Because the, the stadium was packed. It was screaming their heads off. You, know, you could hear the roar, you know. I said, could you imagine what will be when the Mashiach comes and the Tikkun will have been complete? Like I say, it's not just, you know, America. It'll be the entire human race. But what's even more interesting, it will be all the Malachim. The hundreds of trillions of Malachim. Could you imagine them screaming their heads off because the Jews did the Tikkun? Hard to imagine, huh? Can we buy tickets to that side here, boy? We gotta. <laughs> you're invited automatically. What? If you're a Yid, you're, you're, you're invited. If you're a Jew, you're invited automatically. <clears throat> if you're a Jew, you are invited automatically. And not only that, if you are a non-Jew and you contributed, helped a Jew do the tikkun, you're gonna be in the center. Donald, Donald will be there. Who? Donald Trump. You know, Donald Trump is a hero. He is Esau saying, Let that which is yours be yours. That's exactly what he's doing. He will be, all these goyim that contributed to the Jew, that really had affection for the Jew, stood up for the truth and so on. You know, I mean, I don't know if they'll be in the, in the, in the center, but they will be in that circle. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <coughs> That's the blessing. God will recognize everybody that contributed to help a Jew do the tikkun. And he will be in Oedem so, non-Jews, get your act together. If you want to be together with the Jews in this unbelievable situation, this unbelievable stadium, with the entire creation screaming at the top of their lungs, get your act together, help the Jews, stand by them, and you have no idea what your reward will be. I encourage every non-Jew to do that. Just ignore the anti-Semites, because they have no idea what lies in store for them. That's what I thought. It'll happen. <coughs> you see, it'll happen. You know? Uh, and, uh, and the ones who's going to be speaking at the microphone, right? You know, who's going to be speaking there, right? You're going to have all the people that realize what the Jews went through, right? All the malochim. They'll be speaking. You have Michoel and Gabriel, Raphael. I mean, they, 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 they know exactly what's going on, right? You know what I'm saying? But the real crown, who's that? The divine presence will speak. God will speak. You see? And it'll be Vaidabe Hashem, not on Moshe. Vaidame Hashem El Kol Ha'olam Kuloi. Saying, these are the people that did the Tikkun. They brought me back. 
their reward is infinite beyond comprehension and the entire Bria that that you know and everybody that was part of the world you, whatever you experience is only because of these people in the center the millions and millions of Jews and you know whoever contributed to that could you imagine God speaking to the entire Bria we can't but he will speak because he's the ultimate authority because he's the only one that knows that what we went through you see and there, what else do you need you don't need anything else when the Barsham is masking and he says you will receive infinite reward what else is there to say that's what's going to happen when the Mashiach comes it's worth it what a day you said one thing that troubles me you said Only one? Is, is the medicine. I trouble a lot of people. You said Torah is the medicine, the mitzvahs to do the teaching. But since we lost the base of mitzvahs, we lost so many mitzvahs that <clears throat> were like crippled. No, but that does not prevent the tikkun. Obviously, if it did, what's the whole point? No, because every mitzvah is combined with some other mitzvah. There is a unity in Torah. Just like, you know what the proof is? Because Adam Rishon only had to be given seven mitzvahs, basically, or maybe eight, whatever, <coughs> right? Wait a minute. How can he do the tikkun? You're missing all 600 and what? 13. 13 minus 7, whatever, right? Yeah, so how do he do the tikkun? And the answer is you don't need all the mitzvahs at that time to do the tikkun. Now we do. But depending on the amount of chushach, darkness, that's how much Torah you need. And in his day, you didn't need that much. So clearly then, the Torah is unified. All the mitzvahs at a certain level are unified. Look, even now, you can't do a mitzvah that a kohen does. Are you kohen? Levi. Levi. Right? So how are you going to do a tikkun? You can't even do that mitzvah. You don't have to. No, no. What about the Israel? What does he do? What does he do? He can't wash the kohen's hand. Uh, right? The, the point is that well, that, that, I have to explain what that means, but Torah is a unified body that interconnects at a different level, and so on, you know, and, and so on. But that, that, uh, that's what's going to happen. Okay, so we got to make a time for this incredible event, you know, stadium, whatever, it's going to hold millions of people, you know, and that's what's going to happen. Can you imagine looking forward to that? When the Bosh himself is Moscow and Imagine God congratulating the Jewish people for what they did. Beyond belief, right? That's what's going to happen. <coughs> the ultimate congratulations. Oh, by, right? by the Almighty oh, Himself. The what? All of them through the ages. Everybody. Because it'll be Tres Amesim. That's why. Everybody comes back from the dead. Right? So they're all standing there. You know, you have yeah, billions of people. How much? I don't know. They hold ninety thousand people? Really? Yeah, I think so. Wow. That's not enough to hold. Well, whatever. What? There is? No, they okay. use they use other stadiums. Anyway, uh, next week I will continue.